This is the Unstoppable Podcast, where we are dedicated to bringing you comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. We hope this podcast will encourage, equip, and empower you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits. As you realize your potential, you will join a dynamic group of passionate people who are actively bringing the unstoppable power of heaven into the darkest places on earth. Here is your host, Justin Self. Welcome back to the Unstoppable Podcast. We are continuing our series on the physics of faith. Last time we introduced the subject of physics of faith and the laws that govern faith. And so if you haven't had a chance to check that out, please do. But I'm really glad you're here. Thank you for listening and turning on the podcast and investing this time to hear from God and to build up yourself spiritually. I'm really excited to minister this today. These are some things that are super powerful. And like I said in the first podcast, these are things that I've I've been walking in for over a decade. I'm not here to say that I've got it all figured out and that I'm just, you know, this total master of everything in the Bible. That would be, that'd be crazy. There's just so much to the word of God, but I have figured out some things that have worked and that are working in my life regularly. We've talked many times about finances and just as an example, where Jenny and I have done podcast episodes on finances and it's like, we're not the smartest tools in the tool shed, you know, when it comes to sharpest tools, I guess, <laughs> when it comes to finances, we just do our thing. We hunker down and we do our best to act in wisdom, but we've tapped into some of these laws that God has set forth in the word of God concerning finances and, you know, giving and sowing and reaping and sowing seeds specifically and certain things like that. And man, we have got stories. I could just tell you stories for hours on this. I would take up all the time just telling you some stories about God's provision and these supernatural things that most people would call miracles. When I do share these things with people, most of the time they're just thinking, oh my gosh, wow, you're lucky or wow, God just, you know, supernaturally reached his hand down and did something in your life. To be honest with you, most people that hear about these things, they just shake their heads. And it's almost like they think I've won the lottery because in their mind, it is kind of like that. In their mind, it's like, and I've heard it said before like this, God is almost like a spiritual slot machine. You know, you just kind of try to punch the numbers and get everything right and do your thing right and sit just the right way and, you know, get all your mojo and then just pull back the old slot machine handle and just hope you get something. And I'm here to tell you, it is completely not like that. God is relational. He's personal. And he's given us everything we need in the word of God. In the first episode, we just introduced the concept of the physics of faith. Really quickly, I just want to remind you that just because something is in the word of God and just because it's there doesn't mean it's automatically going to come to pass in your life. And this is kind of the big thing with Christians or, you know, even non-Christians right now. They're saying, well, you know, like with COVID or this or that or the other, right? Well, God's word promises this. And if God's a healer, then how come, you know, everybody's not healed and, and all this kind of stuff, you know, healing's a big one. Finances is another big one, right? Well, you know, God, you, people get on to me about talking about prosperity and finance and they think that, you know, it's, oh man, it's wrong for you to ha- you know say that God wants you to be prosperous and all this. But I'm over here saying that, man, if you get into the word of God and you, and you see what he actually says about prosperity and see what he says about healing, you'll start to pick up a pattern, right? I'm an aerospace engineering student. My brain is wired for patterns and noticing certain things. I just have a love for noticing patterns and seeing how things play out, and especially seeing things that, you know, I have a hypothesis about. And I'm like, wow, I, I see this pattern. This is really interesting. I wonder if this is how it is, you know, and then I try it and then it's like, wow, that really worked. 
I really take a scientific approach. Some of you might take offense to that, that I take a scientific approach to the Bible, but I'm here to remind you that God is scientific. The source of true science is God. He's the one who came up with all this stuff. He's the one who came up with physics and chemistry and all these like awesome things that I like, you know, mathematics. He's a God of order, not a God of chaos. Personally, right now in my personal studies, I'm going through creation and I'm looking at the different Hebrew words behind, you know, creation and things that he created versus things that he made. And I know that doesn't sound like a big difference to you, but there are actually things that he did differently with certain things in creation. And I just, I'm fascinated by this, like seeing the things that he created. But one of the scriptures that I'm meditating on right now is Isaiah 45, 18, which talks about how God did not create the earth to be formless and void. And yet in Genesis 1, 2, we find that the earth was without form and void. I mean, there's just so much wonder when it comes to God and so much mystery, but There's clues in the scripture that show us, that show his friends, right? There's a scripture that says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he shows them his covenant. If I'm a friend of God, I expect him to show me secrets. And that's what I'm sharing with you today. I'm sharing with you secrets that I've learned, secrets that I've heard that others have learned from intimate walks with the Lord. You know, this isn't secret club or anything like that. This is just, hey, some of us have just gotten down and we just read the Bible. We take it for what it is. We go out and we do it to the best of our ability. And we fail a bunch of times, like engineering, spend a whole bunch of time failing, but you figure out this, you figure out that. And at the end of the day, you've got something that works because you've tried it, you've proved it, you know, you've done things. That's the approach I'm taking to this whole idea of the physics of faith. Last time we talked about the woman with the issue of blood quite a bit. We introduced the concept of absolute versus conditional promises, which as a reminder, an absolute promise is something that you'll see in the word of God that there's nothing you can do about it. Okay, if God talks about sending Jesus to earth and setting up a millennial kingdom and, you know, the rapture of the church and the end time events and all this, I'm here to tell you, man, there's nothing you're going to do that's going to change that. Okay, what I mean by that is God's not going to take his word back. We talked about that last time with Psalms chapter 89, 34. My covenant will I not break, he says, nor will I alter the word that has gone out of my lips. See, God's not going to change his word. And the whole point with me bringing that up last time was to point out that you've got to be, um, and again, you don't have to be like me, okay? You don't have to be so scientific, but you do have to have critical thinking. You really do. You've got to turn on your brain when you read the word of God. And I, I don't mean to offend you by that, but I'm, I'm saying it's so religious and spiritual, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm raising my hands in quotes right now, spiritual, to just read the Bible and say, oh, this is just so wonderful and beautiful. Wow, it says this. Gloss over it and go back to your everyday life and do everything completely contrary to the word of God. What I'm saying here is that you've got to look at the word of God and you've got to see what God said specifically and you've got to learn how to do it and walk in it. And you will see results when you start taking a serious look at the word of God. Now, I know somebody is out there saying, well, Justin, you're, you're just making this legalistic now and you're making this all about performance. No way. One of the things that we're going to get into today, and I, I call it the wonder factor. <laughs> That's what I call it. And what I'm basically saying today is that, man, looking at God this way and looking at the word this way, it might seem like at the front end, it's legalistic or at the front end, it's performance-based or something where you're like, well, Justin, you're, you're literally picking apart the word of God, you know, letter by letter, and you're just doing it the way it says to be done. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. That's a good thing. And by doing that though, we're, we're actually tapping into these things that God does and we're flowing in these laws and we're cooperating in these laws, man, that does not diminish the wonder factor. And I'm going to share some stories today about how 
before I started thinking about God this way, I was legalistic. I was religious and I had nothing. I was dead as a doornail. I had no life in me. I had no power. I wasn't walking in fullness in any area of my life. But when I started seeing the patterns and, and the way that God has set things up and the frameworks and the organization to his system, and I started living that thing out to the best of my ability, hey, I'm still learning, but I started tapping into these things, man, my wonder level just went through the roof. I can't even explain it to you. I'll try. I'm going to do my best here with the time we have remaining. But man, the wonder factor just goes through the roof. And I want to encourage you with that today. Now, last time we talked about, like I said, the woman with the issue of blood and how she had tapped into a few of these laws. I want to remind you that without these laws in place, in case you still don't believe me, without these laws in place, you couldn't be saved. You couldn't receive salvation. Let's go to Romans chapter 10, and I'm going to read from the Bible. Otherwise, you might not believe me if I don't just read it straight. This is amazing to me. This is in Romans chapter 10, and Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he is explaining the gospel of Jesus beautifully. Romans is wonderful. I love Romans. It's Romans has the gospel presented so many different ways and in such language that it's just gorgeous. So, uh, Romans chapter 10, here is what it says in verse 6. No, let's start in verse 5, okay? For Moses writes about the righteousness, which is of the law. This is not the law I'm talking about, by the way. This is the law of Moses. This is the law that is outside of faith, okay? So, don't get confused when we, when we use the word law here. This is the Mosaic law, Ten Commandments. He says, Moses writes about the righteousness, which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. And I quote, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? And he says, that is to bring Christ down from above or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? See, Paul's really conversational. I like that. He's like, what does it say? Like read the scripture. What does the actual scripture say? And he quotes it. He says, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is, he says, the word of faith, which we preach. Okay. I know that's really wordy, but the point that I'm saying here is that Paul is setting us up for something. He's setting us up for one of the main spiritual laws, okay? And this is the spiritual law right here, verse nine. He says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And verse 10 puts the law in a different, in a different light here, a different language. It says, for with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Did you notice that? To all who call upon him. Not just all breathing, but all who call upon him, right? So now we've just seen an absolute versus conditional promise. This is a conditional promise. The same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. If you don't call upon him, he's not rich towards you. It's interesting. It says, for whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is another conditional promise. See, I'm, I'm re- we're still recapping last episode. For whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't mean anybody who, uh, who anybody will be saved, right? This doesn't mean that every single person for whom Christ died will be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So you see that by tapping into this law of confession and belief, believing with your heart, that's how you got in to the family of God. 
you know, just because Jesus died and rose again and took the sin of the world upon him doesn't mean that the world gets to go to heaven. Doesn't mean that the world is watch, walking in righteousness with him. The world, and you know, anybody in the world can choose. You and I can choose to walk with God or we can choose not to walk with God. Meaning we can choose to accept salvation. We can, we can choose to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We can choose to believe with our heart, with all of our heart, that he is our righteousness, that he died on the cross, that he rose again after three days and he carried our sin on us and that we are perfectly and, 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 and wonderfully saved or we cannot. So most of us know this and I, I'm pointing this out because I, I really want you to understand that what you've been doing this whole time in your relationship with God is either cooperating with or ignoring the laws that govern faith. I really want you to see this. Notice the pattern with me. Just think with me for a minute. And I know this might be hard for you. This might be weird. You know, I I get that. It might be odd or awkward for you to think of it this way. Look, today is about a balance. Okay. A lot of this stuff, I've got, I've got to be really careful to balance this out. So, so if you think that, you know, what I'm saying is offensive, just give me a minute and I'm going to give you the other side of the story. You know, we're going to balance this thing out. The first point of my message today is that the blood of Jesus is enough. Point number one, the blood of Jesus is enough. Man, I want to state from the beginning of this this series that the blood of Jesus is more than enough to meet every need that humanity could ever throw at it. I'm telling you, there's nothing that you and I could ever do to earn anything from God. This is a fundamental truth for us to understand when we're talking about the laws that govern faith. If we think that our stuff, our performance is going to earn God's favor. And somehow if I do more than the next guy, I'm going to get blessed. Or if I do good compared to some sort of standard, you know, I'm going to get blessed. This is why I started with the example of salvation. You and I probably, you know, I know my audience pretty well. You probably don't believe that salvation is works based. There might be somebody out there who does, but I'm telling you, if you are a born again Christian, if you are walking in the, in, in the blood of Jesus and you know that you are blood bought, you know you are washed and clean and you know that you are a child of God, I guarantee you, you know that. Uh, you know that you didn't do it by works. You know that you were saved from a big mess, okay? So I'm trying to point out, again, I'm using salvation as kind of this, this thing that we can all kind of connect about because I really want you to understand that the laws of faith are not trying to get God to do something that he's not already inclined to do. Did you get that? We're not twisting God's arm. We're not moving God. God doesn't need to move, right? God's not stuck. <laughs> he has freely given us th- these a wonderful and amazing and glorious grace gifts, right? And it's up to us to, to tap into these things. Now, here, this is a good example. I've heard this many times. And this might be cliche to you, but but listen, hear me out. So just imagine that I wrote you a check for a million dollars. You know, I signed it, Justin Self, million dollars to to you, to my friend, you know. Put your name on it and everything, you know, and I I dated it. Everything's legit, you know, and I and I actually have the money. Let's just let's just say that, you know, hey, this is a gift and I have the money to back it up. And you take this this check and you're like, man, this is cool. And you go and you set it on your coffee table at home. And it just sits there. And you don't take it to the bank. You have it, right? Does that make sense? You have it. I've given you something. I've done my part. What am I going to do? Am I going to come over to your house and cash it for you? No, I've done the work. Okay. I've done the work and it's just sitting there and you, man, you could sit there and you could have all your friends come over and you could point at that check and say, look at what Justin self gave me. Look at that million dollar check. I've got a million dollars sitting right here. Well, if your friend has half a cent, 
they'll look at you and they'll say, well, you don't really have a million dollars yet, right? That's, that piece of paper isn't worth anything until you go and cash it. This is the picture I want you to think about when we're talking about the laws of faith. The laws of faith are like, you're getting that check from God. He's written the check. He signed it, man. Everything's good. But when you cooperate with the laws of faith, it's as, as though you're taking that thing that God has provided through grace and you're taking it to the bank. You're cashing it in. You're actually playing your part. And again, this, this can get kind of hairy because people always tend to just lean over here and say, well, that's performance-based. That's this, that's that. That puts everything on you. I'm here to tell you, it does not put everything on me. And you know what? It is freeing to me to know that I actually have a part to play and that I can do something with the Lord. Haven't you ever wondered about certain Bible heroes or Bible stories that you read? And you're thinking like, why didn't God just do the thing that he said he was going to do, like with Gideon or something? Why didn't God just do it? Or Samson, or I mean, name any Bible hero. Why didn't God just come in and like make it happen and make the Philistines leave? Or whomever, you know, was attacking Israel. Like, why didn't he just make them leave? Why did he always work through a person? And why is it that when this person screwed up, God's plan got screwed up? Well, I'm here to tell you, God is providing things to you, friend, and me through grace. And the other end of the bargain is that we would walk it out. We're called to be partners with God. But when it comes to the blood of Jesus, okay, I said point number one is the blood of Jesus is enough. When it comes to the blood of Jesus, I want you to know something. There is nothing you or I can do to make the blood any better, if that makes any sense to you. If it's not covered under the blood, we ain't getting it, okay? I want you to notice something. We're not getting anything outside the blood. We got to understand that the blood is our only hope, right? The blood of Jesus is, is it. We can't work our way up. Now, let me read some scripture to you about the blood. We don't, uh, we don't really talk about the blood as much in church these days. And I think we need to. I think people need to understand. If you're out there and you're, you know, you're shy or squeamish about talking about the blood, I encourage you to, to not be like that. <laughs> you know, just study the blood. Ask for a revelation of the blood of Jesus. Get in the scripture and read the blood. Read about the blood. And the blood is important for today. It is not just a bygone thing of the past. The blood is important. Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, he says, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And I'm just going to read that one verse. And I'm, I am taking it out of context because I don't have time to read the whole thing, but this is him uh, instituting the Lord's Supper. Okay. The point I'm making is that his blood is the blood of the new covenant. Jesus is the mediator. He's the one who started this whole thing. And there's nothing you can do to change that. Again, the, the point I'm making here is that you can look at what the blood provided and that's the check that's been written and it's sitting on your coffee table. Anything that Jesus provided through the blood, you have absolute access to, 100% access to that thing. For instance, if you look into the word saved, you know, in salvation, it's the word sozo. One of the meanings behind the word sozo is physical healing. And again, I'm going to just point out that what Jesus did on earth with physical healing is that he never turned anyone down. There were several times where he said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. In fact, check this out. Matthew 9.22 says, he specifically says, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Matthew 15, 28, Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you, even as you will. 
Oh, come on, guys. This is Jesus talking. He says, be it unto you, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Mark 5, 34. And he said unto her daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. That word whole, by the way, is the word sozo. It's the same word translated saved or salvation in other places in the Bible. Here's another one, Mark chapter 10, verse 52. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. Luke 8, 48. And he said unto her daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. I'm going to keep going. Luke 17, 19. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. So the point I'm making here, do you think it was these people's faith that outside of the grace of God somehow like twisted God's arm and made it happen? That's my question. Think about it. Did this person have enough faith to bulldoze God into doing something? I hope you said no. <laughs> the answer, the correct answer is no. It doesn't matter your faith. It doesn't matter what you do. You're not going to bulldoze God. You're not going to push him around to make him do something that he didn't already promise in his word. Again, this brings us back to Psalm 89, 34. My covenant will I not break, nor will I alter the word that's gone forth out of my lips. Okay, so God's not going to get bullied around by your words or your faith or your confession or all those types of things. God has already done these things. He's already written the check, so to speak. I'm reading you these scriptures to show you that these are people who actually had a part to play in seeing the results come to pass in their life. But the distinction I'm drawing here is that the blood of Jesus is where we get the assurance that we can do those things. Listen to this verse. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. John chapter 15 and verse seven. This is Jesus talking. Just think about this for a second in the context of, of what we're talking about, where you know you have a part to play and we're responding to God. Listen to this. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Verse eight, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Oh man, if you abide in me, I'm going to read it to you again in case you're driving and you don't have your Bible in front of you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. That's verse seven. Isn't that amazing? You can ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. How do you rectify that? How does that work? Like, honestly, have you thought about this? Like, how does that work? If you, I, I guarantee you, at some point in your life, you've asked God for something and you've not seen it come to pass. So how is it that you can reconcile what, you, what happened in your life, that experience, versus what, what, it, what you just read in the Bible? Or how about this one? John 14, 12. And he says, anyone who believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do. And even greater works than these, because I go to my father. How many of you have gone out and tried to do something, a great work for God, but you've seen it not work, right? You've, you've not seen the results. I'm here to tell you that there are laws at work and we've got to learn how to cooperate with these laws. But the point I'm making right now is that you can't force a law to work that's outside the blood of Jesus. Jesus personally assures us that the blood is enough, okay? The blood is enough. Now, I want to point out something as well. Just because you're covered by the blood of Jesus does not ensure, now listen to me, listen, listen, pay attention. Simply being covered by the blood doesn't ensure that you experience any of the further benefits of salvation. Okay. Notice in um, Exodus 12, we have the Israelites leaving the bondage of Egypt. They painted the blood on the doorposts and you know what? They were saved. They were delivered from the attack on their firstborn. 
They were protected. But did you know that just because they were under the blood doesn't mean that those people automatically got to go to the promised land? They had to, the next, well, in fact, right out, right after midnight, they had to physically pack up their bags. They had to walk out. They had to hike. They had to trust God. They had to go through the, river, the, the, the sea on dry ground. You know, and so many of them died in the wilderness and never saw the promised land, but there are some that did. Now, the point I'm making here is that just because you're covered by the blood, so this is the other side of the coin, right? The blood is enough. The blood is enough. You know, we can't diminish the blood. We can't, you know, make the blood greater. We can't make make the blood of Jesus do something that he never did. We can't crucify Jesus again. Paul talks about that quite a bit in the scriptures. You can't make him do something, right? That he isn't already inclined to do or hasn't already said in his word that he would do. Okay, But notice that just because you're under the blood doesn't get you a free pass to everything that God provided through grace. I want you to think on that for a second. Just because you're under the blood doesn't mean you're entitled without any type of action to the benefits of salvation. What I mean by that is you have got to cash the check. Hopefully I'm making sense to somebody. You've got to cash the check. You've got to learn how to cooperate with the laws of faith. I want to go ahead and switch gears real quickly to the the wonder factor. Okay, this is like the other big question. You know, people say, oh, you know, by reducing God to a formula. Okay, well, that might not be so bad as you think. People say that. We don't want to reduce God to a formula. We don't want to reduce the word of God to a formula. Well, let me ask you something. How do you think your airplane would fly if we didn't have formulas that describe the way mathematics works? You would be in big trouble. It wouldn't work, man. There's some, you know, the rocket equation governs things that are very important. You know, your cell phones wouldn't work. You know, your GPS wouldn't work if we didn't have rockets and the rocket equation and satellites that can beam things down. And you're, you're, none of this stuff would work without even, you know, these theories of relativity, time dilation and, and crazy stuff that some of you know what I'm talking about. Others of you are like, dude, what? But what I'm saying is that don't, don't be so afraid of reducing God's word to a formula. And, and let me balance that statement with, the fact that I'm, I'm trying to communicate to you that looking at God's word this way, flowing the laws that govern faith and learning these things and cooperating with these things does not in any way diminish the wonder factor. Here's an example. So for my personal life, when I've really started kind of seeing this and trying to wrap my head around this and seeing, wow, God's relational. God, There's laws, there's things that I can do and I'm not moving God, but God's God's already moved on my behalf. And he, it's like, God's the one reaching out to me. He's the one that signs the check, you know, and I'm, I'm the one that's to my court to cash it. Like all this stuff's just flooding me. And I'm just like, wow, what, what, what is this crazy world that I'm in? You know, one of the verses that just changed my life was in Jeremiah chapter 29. Many of you, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you know, verse 11, Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and for peace, not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. I'm reading from the Amplified Classic Edition. Not, not as many people know verse 13. I'm going I'm to go ahead and read 11, 12, and 13, but let's keep reading on Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's go a little further. Verse 12, then you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear and I will heed you. How would you like God to hear, heed you? Hear and heed you. Think about that for a little bit. But now verse 13, then you will seek me inquire for and require me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. What do you think about that? (laughs) Then you will seek me, he says, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so I got my head kind of into this Jeremiah 29, 13 business. And I'm like, okay, I can actually find God like that. 
that blew my mind right there. That blew my theology. That blew my mind. That blew everything. I didn't, I didn't know how to handle that. But then I really started thinking about it. I'm like, okay, okay, all right, you know, I'm going to start cooperating with the laws that govern faith. And I'm going to do the word, right? One of these laws has to do with faith, faith without works is dead. And so I'm going to go ahead and put some works into this thing. Not religious works, people, not performance-based works. You know, don't, don't go there. I'm saying God provided a promise in his scriptures that says, then you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put God's word to the test. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to seek him with my whole heart. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I'm going to seek him with my whole heart because I want to find him. And this is really the beautiful thing, guys. This is the beginning Really, this truly is the ground zero beginning for my walk with the Lord and my revelation on who he is intimately towards me. And because I basically said, I don't care how long it takes. I don't know how long it takes for me to learn how to search for something with all my heart. I'm going to go for it though. And I just started this journey of searching for God with all my heart because I knew according to the scripture that I would find him. And I don't mean in the the surface level sense of, oh, you're going to find God, meaning like, I'm looking for a spiritual answer or I'm looking for salvation. No, I, I had already been saved. I'd already been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was already, you know, starting to walk in some power and some, you know, pretty cool things. But this is me like, I want to find him. Like, I want to know him. You know what I'm saying? I want to know him and take him out of this crazy way off world and somehow get to know this unknowable God. Like, this is the beauty this is such a beauty behind the word of God and how things work in the kingdom. It's, we think it's upside down, but the kingdom, kingdom is actually right side up. Like you're going to see that God is like the closer you get to him and the more intimate you grow to him, you, you begin to know what he thinks, right? You get, begin to protect what he thinks. You get to know what he wants to do in a certain situation. You get to know where we're going and, and what the path looks like. You come to this place where even though he is completely unknowable and he's out there and he's infinite, you, st- you get to this point where you actually get to know him. <laughs> Doesn't that sound crazy? It's a paradox, right? It's, it's crazy. Like he's beyond comprehension, yet he's understandable. He's beyond finding out, yet he's totally accessible and relational, right? And so I'm getting to this, this place in Jeremiah 29, 13, where I'm, I'm starting to see him. And, and so I'm seeking him with my whole heart. And I just remember I had my first, probably my first vision of the Lord. Like it was awesome. I'm, I was, I was during worship at church one day and I just was on my face, just worshiping him and just was loving him. I wasn't asking him for anything. I wasn't planning, you know, Oh Lord, give me a vision. You know, I just was flowing according to this law that says, Hey, when you seek for me with all your heart, you will find me, you know? And so I just had this awesome vision where I just saw myself. I was, I was before the throne room of God. I mean, I could see a lot of really cool stuff in there. And I was playing a cello and I could hear the music. And again, I don't even know if it, if it was actually audible or if it was just in my spirit. But to me, it was as real. It may as well have been audible. I, I don't, honestly, I can't tell you. I really don't know. But it, it was as loud to me personally as it would have been audibly, right? And I just remember hearing this beautiful music and the music I was playing started out in Genesis. That's, how do you know that, right? I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I just knew that I started in Genesis and then I went to Exodus and then Leviticus and Numbers. You know, I started pr- playing music through the Bible and I was like, I, I just knew that in my spirit, I was playing this music back to him. I was reminding him of his word. I was thanking him for his word. And I went through the whole Bible. And I just remember 
And the song would get excited and big and then it would get low and small, you know, and it would get dramatic and scary and, and happy and soft and sad, you know, the whole thing. And as I was playing this beautiful word up to God, I could just literally see the music coming off of the the cello strings and they were colorful and they were dancing and these, these music notes or whatever they were would go into his ears and he would just receive them, you know, and he would just, just love them. And he would also breathe them in with his mouth. And then as he breathed them in, he would also breathe them back out to me. He would breathe out like these love, they, they, they looked like love notes or something. I don't know. They were, they were love, somehow love. And it came back to me. Well, whenever I heard that love from him and I received that love from him, man, I played that cello even harder and with more, man, I was good. I mean, I was, a, I was really good cello player and I just started playing even, even more, you know, more skillfully and beautifully. And, and so then more notes would come off and more, more energy and stuff would come off the cello and go into him. And then it would be like this infinite loop. He would feed me, you know, love and, and all this. And I know that sounds pretty out there for some of you, but for me, it just, absolutely blew my mind. In fact, I, I think I was just laying there on the floor for a very long time, just in the presence of God and just weeping before him, this intimate moment with him that I really truly realized how much, <laughs> at least to a degree, how much he loves me. I, I do not know how much he loves me. I really don't, but I caught a glimpse of it that night and it just caused me to weep. And what I'm, what I'm saying here is that that was the result of me learning how to flow in and cooperate with some of these laws that govern faith. That was my mindset. I'm, I'm flowing and cooperating with these laws. I'm cashing the check. And so this is my argument to some of you who are saying, well, you know, it diminishes the wonder factor, right? This type of formulaic equation, systematic approach to God's word, you know, reduces the wonder factor. And I'm here to tell you, it does not in my, at least in my, at least in my life, it hasn't. My wonder meter has gone through the roof. Another example of this is in Mark chapter 16, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says, and they, the believers, them that follow me, the believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall pick up serpents and scorpions. They shall speak with new tongues. Me and my friend, Aaron Patton were in Honduras a few years ago, and we're ministering at a church in the middle of a jungle. And there was probably somewhere about a hundred people, I think in the room, we were, we were preaching and ministering. And I think I forgot who was up there. One of us was up there ministering. Uh, we, we took turns and, and we, were, we were ministering healing. Hey, you know, anybody who needs healing. In fact, let me, let me say this. We heard the Lord speak to us earlier that day. And he said, go, go around the village in this jungle area, go around to every single person you can in the village and tell them to bring the sick because, you know, God's going to heal them. Now, let me, let me, let me just pause and ask you something. How many of you have done that? How many of you have gone through a village and told people, in a third world country told them, Hey, bring the sick because God's going to heal them. So <laughs> you can imagine what I felt like, you know, I'd never seen anything like this before. And man, I'm not kidding you. Everything in me was just terrified. I just was looking at these people in the face and I'm saying, yeah, God, this is what God says. This is what God's going to do. You know, bring the sick, find a sick person and bring them to the church service. You know, God's going to heal them. How do you think I felt with my religious upbringing and my, my training, you know, and yeah, you know, my presumption meter was through the roof. I'm thinking, oh man, this is all just presumption. I'm just making this up. You know, I'm totally out of line here, but I was acting on what I really believe God said. And so the, <laughs> the service, you know, time for the service comes and, you know, we're preaching we're ministering and, and we get to the time where we, after the service, we were laying hands on people and ministering. We believed, I mean, I believed, okay, 
lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We, we just started laying hands on people and, and ministering and just speaking the word of God out over people in faith, totally in faith. And again, this is, we're cooperating with the laws. We know that laying hands on people brings healing. We also know that just speaking the word, this is another law. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when you're preaching healing and you're preaching the word of God under the blood of Jesus, you know, preaching that, hey, the blood of Jesus provides physical healing for you. Just, you know, receive right now from Jesus, receive healing. So we're preaching this stuff. So this is us cooperating with the laws according to faith. There was this one woman who came up to me about halfway through the service and we were still ministering and man, there's people all over the place getting healed. And we saw, we saw a blind eye opened up. We saw, I, I saw a deaf ear opened up right in front of my, my eyes. It was awesome back pain, scoliosis, people who couldn't bend, they were bent over, they couldn't raise up, they they got instantly healed, we're walking around, you know, the whole thing. I mean, it was awesome. It was, miracles were happening everywhere, you know. And this woman came up to me and she says, I just want to let you know what happened to my friend. I said, oh yeah, tell me what happened. And she says, well, when you were preaching and ministering the word of God about healing, she says, my friend felt someone's hands touch her back and she has extreme back pain or neck pain or something of that nature. And she just received and she was just like believing God, you know, and listening to what we were saying and really kind of opening up her heart to healing. And she said she felt someone's hands on her back and it warmed up her back and there were, there, the hands were very hot and all this. And, her, and then she was, and she was instantly healed. And I said, man, that's awesome, you know, but she says, no, you don't understand. My, 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 my friend was sitting up against a wall you know, concrete wall. And so she felt these hands, you know, obviously supernatural. And I believe that they, those were Jesus's hands. I believe they were because Jesus is the healer. Stuff like that, right? I mean, this, this, these are things that, you know, I can't, I'm not making it up and, and, I, and I wouldn't make it up if I could. And I tell you these stories to, to encourage you and to, and to really to minister to you that what do you think happened to my wonder factor after that? That blew up my box. Here I am, you know, here we are. I'm, I'm scared to death. I really am terrified. Ter- telling people to come and get healed because God's going to heal them. And I'm thinking, man, God, you better come through on this thing, you know. And here we are having these manifestations. And I mean, something like that just blew my mind. And so if you're over here thinking that looking at these things um, is going to reduce the wonder factor, you know, I'm here to tell you it is not going to reduce the wonder factor. God is bigger than you think. He is way bigger than you can imagine. And you are not going to outthink God. You're not going to outwonder God. He, no matter how much you believe and how much you start flowing in the supernatural and you start seeing these things come to pass, no matter how confident you think you are in all these things, I'm telling you, he's going to always blow off your box. He's going to blow your lid. So some of you need to hear that. You need to hear that your, your religious mindset is holding you back because you think that if you start believing God this way and you start looking at his, his word and you, you get anywhere near this formula stuff, or you say, well, you know, God needs to stay mysterious, you know, for me to have the wonder factor, man, I'm here to tell you that's a religious mindset and you got to fix that. Hopefully that's encouraging to you. I don't mean to, I'm not trying to get on you about anything, but I, I want to stir you up, you know, and, and really encourage you. Here's some scripture that is really amazing if you study it out. So Paul here is talking to the church at Corinth. Okay. I'm going to read out of first Corinthians chapter two. I'm going to make two points here. I'm going to read the first five verses and then we're going to continue on. But listen to this. He says, and I brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Verse four, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Verse five, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. And my point with that 
is that this is crazy, right? Think about it. Paul had a handle on the demonstration of the spirit and on power. Most people think that the Holy Spirit will just come on you when he wills and he'll do this stuff through you. While I agree that there is a scriptural precedent for the Holy Spirit coming on you and doing things as he wills, as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with the manifestations of the Holy Ghost, there, there is a degree of that where the Holy Spirit, you know, will come on you and do things, the anointing and, you know, you know, stuff that you can't control, really. It's like, Holy Spirit's on you. Great. I want to point out something. Paul had a handle on this and you can have a handle on it too. Let that sink in for a minute. You can actually have a handle on walking with the demonstration of the Spirit and with power. Since that story in Honduras, I've traveled many other places. And one example would be my most recent trip to Kenya. I was ministering in many churches throughout my time there. And one thing that I, I wanted from the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I want to be doing this. I want to do what Paul did. And I want to be preaching in the demonstration of the spirit and power. And I just was, said, Lord, I'm going to do it. You know, it's in your word. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. And I'm just, God, I'm just trusting you to come, come through and, and be there for me, you know? And and of course, that's just how we are. We, you know, me and the Lord, we just talk, you know, very conversational. And he just kind of was like, well, of course I'm going to do it, you know? <laughs> so, okay. And so, so I just, you know, I would, I would do that. And, and sure enough, you know, I would, I would start out my, my messages with, with some really kind of pretty crazy, bold statements or, or bold prophetic words or, you know, something, but it definitely was a spiritual, spiritual thing. And it opened up the door to so many things um, for people to receive. We were in Muslim areas and I actually had a Muslim man, I had a word for him and, you know, he stood up and this is before I even started preaching anything. And I just gave this guy a word and it just really, really rocked him. I talked to him later about it and it really rocked him and it ended up changing his life. So stuff like that, where I want you to understand that you can actually flow in the supernatural power of God, the demonstration of the spirit and of power, and you can do it, not as a once in a while, once in your life thing, but you can actually start to flow in these things. Paul did. Paul's talking about that. He says, man, I was preaching in the demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. I don't believe Paul just showed up, opened his mouth and God put the words in there. I believe God had, or, uh, Paul had established a relationship with God and an intimacy with God so that he would, could be trusted to speak his words as his friend. Second point I want to make here, uh, for those of you who are thinking that we need to keep things mysterious and God's just beyond knowing. And again, I hope you're listening to what I'm saying. There's a balance here. God is totally mysterious and awesome and wonderful and beyond knowing. I, I don't disagree with that, but I do disagree with this, uh, this concept that says he's so far out there. He's so unknowable that you can't know him or something. You can't get close to him, you know, you can't, or, or you can't get closer than my religion says, or you, you can't get closer than my church says. No, man, you can get very, very close to the Lord. Now listen to this. I'm going to continue on in the same chapter. Verse six, he says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. This is verse eight. For, for if they had known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Now I'm going to pause. I'm reading in first Corinthians chapter two, and this is verse nine. I want you to listen very carefully to this. He says, but as it is written, and now he quotes the old Testament. He says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Most people stop right there and they say, yep, there it is. Proof. 
It's in the Bible. Eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And that's in the Old Testament. That's true. 100% true. It's in Isaiah. Verse 10, but God, but, notice, but God has revealed them, these are the mysteries, to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Verse 12, I'm gonna skip down. It says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Friend, I am here to tell you, if you have the Holy Spirit, if you are born again, if you are under the blood of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you. He's taken up residence in you. And the reason that he did, one of the reasons is that it says that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. It is not wrong for us to know these things, to be cooperating with these laws and to know these laws, to know the mysteries. It says, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, his hidden wisdom. He's talking about wisdom. He's talking about the deep things of God. And I'm talking about more than just you get saved and you, you get a ticket into heaven. I'm talking about flowing and cooperating with these laws, you know, things we talk about with the woman with the issue of blood and, and all these other types of things, you know, financial prosperity and all this. Now, I will make one little caveat right here about healing and prosperity and all this type of stuff. The whole point behind that isn't to say, look at me, I'm so awesome, I'm so spiritual, and just to like live this fleshly carnal life. That, that does not go along with scripture. The whole point here, again, is intimacy with Jesus. It's knowing him. In John 17, three, he says, this is eternal life that they would know me or they would, they would know God and the one and the son whom he has sent Jesus Christ. So this is eternal life, friend. If you're, if you're not born again and you're thinking that, well, you know, I'm just going to wait until I'm older and I'm going to wait until I have my stuff in order uh, to, to receive Jesus or, you know, look into Christianity. I'm here to tell you, this is not a get into heaven free card. That's not the point. The whole point of Christianity is depth and intimacy and knowing God. If you get everything that I'm saying, and if you are walking in all the laws, right? If you're walking in all these beautiful laws of faith and finance, and man, you're just killing it. You're slaying it out there. You're doing it. You're walking in these laws. But if you don't have love, what does 1 Corinthians 13 say? It says, you can have all faith so that you may remove mountains. But if you have not love, you're nothing. This is all about love. And Jesus is love. Love is a person, the person of Jesus. So friend, if you think that you need to wait to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are horribly mistaken. You are missing out on so much life, so much power, so much goodness. So I encourage you right now to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Easy prayer, Lord help. That's all you say, <laughs> Lord help me, I'm a sinner. I receive Jesus for, for salvation. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and he rose again and, and, and I'm, I'm a new creation in him. I am saved in Jesus' name. That's the quick and dirty salvation prayer. That's all you need. Now, I'm also speaking to most of my audience here you are, you're a born again Christian. You are going to church. You're paying your tithes, man. You're, you're a good person, you know, by the world's standards, but you know what? You're, you're also limiting God. You really are. You have the power to limit him because the way that you're thinking and the way that you're believing is not necessarily based on revelation from scripture. Not, I'm not talking about the book of revelation. I'm talking about revelation, like revealing, like the Holy spirit revealing truth to you as we're talking about in these podcasts. You're believing what the pastor says, which is great. But guess what? You can't go any further in your life by just living off someone else's revelation, living off someone else's teaching. It's good that you're listening to your pastor. 
It's good. I'm speaking to somebody here. It's good that you're listening to your pastor. It's good that you're taking notes. It's good that you're serving at the church. It's good that you're doing all these things. But are you seeking the Lord personally? Are you learning? Are you asking him questions about this stuff? Lord, Justin's saying that there's laws of, of, of faith. Is this really for real? Lord, show me in the scripture and go on a treasure hunt with him. I'm encouraging you to get into the word of God and to go on this amazing adventure with Jesus where he shows you these laws. He'll show, once you get your handle on this, man, you're going to start seeing this thing show up everywhere. You're going to say, wow, that's the law, uh, you know, of unbelief. Somebody's in unbelief over here. Oh, that's why they didn't get, didn't, didn't get healed. Or that's why they're, you know, they're having so much trouble and you're going to see it. And, oh, that's, that's the law of, of, of this or of that. You know, that's the law of love. Okay. Oh, I, I understand why something isn't working now. I'm not walking in love or wow. I have unforgiveness in my life. Wow. I'm totally not cooperating with the laws that govern faith uh, that have to do with, uh, with forgiveness and unforgiveness. You see, when you start seeing things in this light, everything changes. You're, you're literally going to have an unveiling happen before your eyes where you're going to start seeing God's perspective and heart on things. And that's his will for us. Is, is that we would walk with him, that we would see things from his perspective, that we could hear his heartbeat, that we'd lean our head against his chest and that we would just listen and, and connect with him and know him. And so that's my final conclusion. I just want to encourage you that number one, the blood of Jesus is more than enough. You can't make God do something that he's not, hasn't already provided through grace. And so my, the, the cool thing about that is that, man, all you got to do is get into the word. All you got to do is get into the Bible, find out what belongs to you, find out what's written on that check. And man, go cash that thing. I'm saying, get into it, man. When I first heard about God wanted us to have prosperity and, and finances and, and not just be poor, 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 and, and, and just be struggling through this thing and actually have, have resources with which I could, I could manage and which, with which I could invest and with which I could bless other people with. I'm thinking, Hey, my, my heart didn't go out. Oh, I'm going to go out and get a Ferrari right away. And so I can drive it you know, fast and show off how cool I am, how spiritual I am. No, it's like, when God does that to you and you're like, oh my gosh, I can flow according to the laws of finance so that I can be a blessing to other people, so that I can provide a resource to other people, so that I can help preach the gospel to people. You see, it all comes back to doing his will and knowing his heart and having your desires become his desires. You see, you only get out of line with this stuff when you're way over here off to the side and you're looking at just the mechanics of the laws of faith as opposed to the heart behind it and the word of God. So the point is get into the word right? Find out what the blood of Jesus has done for you. Find out what power you really do have. And always, always, always stay within the bounds, the boundary lines of the word of God. It's like a football game. You don't get to play the game. If you don't know how to play the game, if you don't know where the boundaries are, it's not going to be much of a game, is it? This is the same with the scripture. There's boundaries around certain things. You've got to know where the boundaries are around the blood of Christ, around what prayer, what, what can you get through prayer? There are things that you can and things you can't get through prayer, for an example. Okay, you've got to know boundary lines around prayer. You've got to know boundary lines around what the blood has done for you. And so that's the things that we're going to continue to go through in this podcast. But I'm encouraging you, get into the word of God and find out what belongs to you. Point number two is that looking at things this way, you know, it might seem clinical or mechanical or, you know, performance or whatever, you know, put your label on it, whatever you want. But I'm telling you, it's not going to diminish the wonder factor. You're going to see more of God, man. You are going to step into a deeper dimension with the Lord. And it's going to be absolutely glorious. Let me pray for you today before we close. Father, I just thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus for this opportunity to speak to my friend right now, wherever they are. Lord, I thank you that you are working in their heart. That you're speaking to them through your word, not only through this podcast, but also in their quiet time with you and also through other 
other avenues, you know, videos and teachings and, and church services and those types of things. But Lord, I thank you and praise you that you are a good God, that you are a God who has set forth everything we could ever want, everything we could ever need in your word. We thank you for the word. Father, I thank you for doing what you are doing in my friend's life. I thank you that you are faithful to complete that good thing that you've started in them. Lord, that you're faithful to complete it, that you are working in them something that is good. Lord, I just ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation over my friend right now, that their spiritual eyes would be opened, that they'd be enlightened to know your word, that they'd be enlightened to know what are the things that you have promised them in your word, where the boundary lines lie. Lord, I ask for a revelation for my friend, for the, uh, according to the blood of Jesus, that they would have their eyes open to what the blood has promised them, to what they have been saved from. And if they're not born again yet, Lord, I pray right now that you would open up their eyes to the blood of Jesus and what it truly does for them and how much they need the blood. Lord, I thank you and praise you for the wonder of your word and, and the wonder of your person and how awesome you are. Lord, you are worthy of our praise. You are awesome and amazing. Lord, I, I ask for my friend right now for, that you would give them a revelation of the wonder. Just give them an experience with the wonder. Show them something amazing. Let, you know, Lord, that you're speaking to them right now, even maybe through nature or, or something else they're seeing right now, you know, in the season, Lord, that, that you're speaking to them your wonder. You're showing them your wonder of your glory, of your goodness. We just thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. We're praying for you. We will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. For more resources, including previous episodes, blogs, and free downloadable content, visit us at unstoppableblog.net. You can also find us on Facebook at Unstoppable Blog. We hope this podcast has encouraged, equipped, and empowered you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits.